From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President April Kapu, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. AANP's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion remains strong. Our guest today is a dedicated member of the AANP Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, whose charge is to empower all NPs in advancing high-quality, equitable health care while addressing health disparities through practice, education, advocacy, research, and leadership. This committee is also committed to fostering an inclusive environment within AANP, which will help in cultivating a diverse membership that reflects the communities that we serve. She is an acute care NP working in surgical critical care and pre-anesthesia with over 20 years of nursing experience. She's the founder of DNPs of Color, a nonprofit nursing organization that builds community for nurses of color focused on mentoring and increasing diversity in doctoral studies. Her passion in mentoring nurses, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and anti-racism in nursing shines through as she speaks with us today. Please welcome my colleague and friend in nursing, Dr. Danielle McCamey. Welcome to NP Pulse, Dr. McCamey. It's so good to have you here with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. When you accepted the invitation, I cannot tell you, I'm, I'm a little too old to do a cartwheel, but I was doing cartwheels <laughs> in my mind because I was so excited. Oh I my have gosh. Been, yeah, I've been following you on social media. I have, of course, sat in on some of our DEI committee meetings, which you're so um, active on that committee. And I've just been in awe. You're just um, so level-headed, so balanced. <laughs> And just so easy to talk to. So I was super excited when you said you would agree to come on our podcast today. And I know that our listeners are very excited to hear from you. So I, you know, just want to know every single thing about you because you have such an interesting story. But would you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you came to know that you wanted to be a nurse, a nurse mm -hmm. practitioner? Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So I um, born and raised in Alexandria, Virginia, and um, my family grew up in a single parent family household. I love my mom. She was the epitome of grace, confidence, um, and excellence. And so she instilled a lot of those qualities in um, myself and my older sister. And so nursing came at the inspiration and watching her. She um, was a home health nurse, and so she, she did home visits, and she would take me to her home health visits, which was the highlight of my days, because I got an opportunity to just see what mom does. 
And so um, when she would take me, she would set me up in the corner and like, okay, be good, be quiet, color with your coloring books. And, you know, um, but what she didn't know, but she's now realizing now that during those times I would take my coloring books and I would act like I'm watching her, but I'd really, well, I thought I, I would act like I was coloring, but I would be watching her. Mm-hmm. And I just enjoyed the level of passion she had for her patients, the care that she took with them and ensuring that their needs were met. And by the end of the visits, they would just be feeling better, so happy that Mm -hmm. she came. And so um, when we would ride home, I would just say, mom, like you did a wonderful job today. I want to be just like you one day. And so she was like, you absolutely can be just like me, but I want you to supersede what I've done. And so that led me to nursing, my interest Mm -hmm. in nursing. And um, once I kind of uh, understood the pathway to get there, um, I loved it. And so that's just kind of like brief, brief nutshell as to kind of how I was first introduced to nursing. Okay. Now you said once I understand the understood the pathway to get there, what does that mean? Oh gosh. Yes. So that's the interesting part of my story is the pathway. So when I was exploring what, you know, what that pathway was, um, Mm -hmm. I started in high school and um, because I was the first to even consider college, I had to, you know, figure out how to do that. And so I went mm-hmm. to my guidance counselor to to get an understanding as to how I could um, begin my journey toward um, nursing school. Okay. And she sat me down and we had a series of conversations, but one conversation was one of the last conversations where I was struggling to get over a thousand on my SAT scores. And so um, I knew that it was important to get um, to, to exceed that benchmark to, to be considered for college. And so during that conversation, you know, she was just like, you know what, Danielle, I really have to just, you know, explain to you from my professional perspective that because you are in a family that doesn't make more than $40,000 a year, because mm-hmm. you're black and because you're struggling with your SAT scores, you're not, you're not a, a prime candidate for any college And so Mm -hmm. my recommendation would be that you look to um, getting a job after graduation or trying to get into a local community college because going to a university, you wouldn't be successful. And so she essentially crushed my dreams of going to college. And at that moment, I actually decided, you know what, maybe she's right. And so I believed that narrative for a little bit. And then... um, I How did that to, make you feel? How did that oh make man, you I feel? Was, I was I was devastated because yeah. because I didn't have anyone in my family to look to to get that knowledge and understanding of there's more more than one way to get to college. Um, I believe that because she's the expert, she's the guidance counselor. You know, she holds the keys to the knowledge that I need to to make it to the next step. And why would she want to steer me wrong? You know. Right. And, and the facts that she's shared with me, I, you know, I was like, I am, you know, my, my mom is single, you know, mm-hmm. she doesn't make that much money and I am getting below a thousand SAT. So she was stating the facts, but she didn't give me the full blown out picture as to that those things can be utilized to my advantage. And I learned that they can be used to my advantage from my track coach. Okay. Um, okay. Tell us about that. So he was instrumental in literally changing. And I, I say this every time he literally changed the course of my, my life. 
And um, so after I had the meeting with the guidance counselor, I was so devastated. I was crying. And uh, my coach is a tough coach. He was, he is a man that doesn't take any whining, no crying when you come to my track. So I was doing both whining, crying, devastated. So I'm trying to clear my face. I'm putting water on it. I'm drinking water. I'm trying to calm Uh myself down. And at the time I was the team captain. So I was responsible for leading the drills. There was no way I could hide me being emotional and having been crying. So he's like, McKamey, I noticed that you're crying on my track. And I'm like, so I just broke down and he was like, okay, so this is serious. So he put, put me off to the side and I'm crying and I'm like sharing with him that the guidance counselor said that I would never be able to make it to college, you know, just totally recounting the story. And he called us by our last name. So he's like, McKamey, if I could shake you, I would. Uh-huh. Stop your tears and listen to me and listen to me good. And so okay. then he started to say these things that are stacked against you, quote unquote, you can use to your advantage. So he started sharing with the different programs that I could take advantage of. He started sharing the scholarships that I could get. So once I got that knowledge and I'm the type, like you give me a little bit, I'm going to take a whole mile. Okay. So I literally ran with it and I applied to over 20 schools. I applied to so many scholarship programs and ended up getting into all 20 schools. Oh my goodness. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> so I had a different problem to contend you with, you know, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> and, a much um, better problem. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's so <laughs> I went to the guidance counselor and I actually gave her the acceptance letters. I was like, you know, here are my acceptance letters with scholarship monies. And um, at that time I selected uh, University of Virginia. So I got a substantial amount of scholarship money to go to their nursing school. Well, that was a very eye-opening moment, I'm sure, for (laughs) your guidance counselor. And I'm so glad you did. I am so glad that you stuck with it. And wow, what is what an amazing story. And and so now you're not only a nurse, you went on to be a nurse practitioner. What do you do as a nurse practitioner? So I wear a couple of hats. My primary okay. hat is I serve as the chief nurse practitioner for the pre-anesthesia department. And that um, I'm responsible for um, leading a department of 12 individuals, six nurse practitioners, six support staff. And we ensure patients are optimized prior to their surgeries. So okay. there's lots of care coordination. We do um, televisits with for anesthesia consults because our team, we work from out of the anesthesia service line. Mm-hmm. And that's given um, me a different, a different hat to use, my leadership hat. So it's been a wonderful experience. I've been in that role for about three years now. I started my advanced practice in surgical critical care, which is my okay. first love. I still do that. PRN on the side because I just can't quite let it go. Mm-hmm. And with our service line, I feel like it's unique because we work in collaboration with physician assistants, intensivists, and the surgeons, and we rotate through different specialties. So we um, are responsible for the cardi- cardiac surgery, neurosurgery, vascular surgery, and trauma surgery. So we mm-hmm. all get the opportunity to rotate through those different specialties, which I love the variety because you know, um, for a long time, they've been trying to get us to specialize. But for me, I just love the variety of just, you never know what patient case you're going to be dealing with. And just the, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love mm-hmm, quick mm-hmm. pace. I mean, and you know, being a CVIC, um, you know, nurse practitioner, mm-hmm, just the mm-hmm. thrill of cardiac surgery, if you have to crack open a chest, all those things. So I still can't quite let that go. So I still do that on the side, which is wonderful. Totally understand. I'm right there with you. I love 
surgical critical care. And, um, I, you know, just can't let it go. I can't let it go. (laughs) Well, now you went on to get your doctorate as a nurse practitioner. What Mm -hmm. was kind of, how did you decide you wanted to do your doctorate? Well, I was one of the ones that was not a believer. Okay. I basically went to school kicking and screaming, and it wasn't until one of my mentors, we were in the cardiovascular recovery room on a night shift, and he was actively going back to get his PhD. And he said, Danielle, you know, you really should consider going back to get your doctorate. He's like, if PhD doesn't interest you, you need to get your DMP. And he's like, I'm going to stay on you until you apply and go to school. And I was just like, what value does it offer me? Like, you know, I just, I don't see it. So then an opportunity came up with Georgetown to um, go back for a doctorate. They were offering some scholarship opportunities. And I'm like, okay, well, who am I to not have someone pay for my education? Let me go. So once I finally um, applied, I got in and it changed my life. Okay. (laughs) And I know people say that all the time and mm-hmm. people would share that with me. I'm like, that sounds so cliche. How does getting a doctorate change your mind? And it's truly a transformative experience. It, when you come out, your mind is different. You see things from a totally different perspective, a broad, broader, deeper perspective. And think you're like, why did I, you mm-hmm. think differently, you mm-hmm. know? And for me, it was from professional to personal to emotional, spiritual. It was literally transformative on all levels for me. And I'm grateful for the experience. And to this day, my mentor, he's like, I told you so. I told <laughs> you. Like, you You're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds, it sounds like you sailed right through. Was it challenging at all or any, um, any difficult um, times along the way? Because it's not easy going back for your uh, DNP these days. I mean, we're all working hard and you have to figure out how to do it, how to afford it. Mm-hmm. It was challenging in a sense because there was multiple, I guess, layers for me of, of challenge because it was one challenging academically because it, it was a different way of thinking, a different way of learning. So it really challenged the way I learned and understood and reflected and, and navigated that space. Also, um, it was another first for me because no one in my family has gone on to pursue doctoral studies. So I had a lot of pressure on myself to succeed and then not only that, being the only Black person at the start of my cohort, I felt um, a lot of pressure to prove myself, prove my worth to be in that space, because it's always that that voice in the back of your head that you're not worthy of that space or, you, or you're, you're not deserving to be there. And um, so, you know, it was hard kind of navigating that, which kind of led to me creating DMPs of Color because I wanted a community that understood my story of being a person of color that lived mm-hmm. experience and what all that entailed. And then being raised from a single parent family household, that puts a lot of different um, uh, mindset and, and perspectives that, you know, folks that grow up in, um, you know, mom and uh, dad households, it's, it's just totally different. It is. It and is. so, so that um, was kind of, I don't want to say a struggle, but it was something that I, I, I sought to have some level of support, which, like I said, men- uh, mentioned creating DMPs of color. So creating DMPs of color helped me to push through those moments of feeling um, inadequate or not confident in my program right. because I, I, I found inspiration in others that were 
that were finished or going through so we could Mm -hmm. share notes or exchange, you know, um, praises and encouragement to get through some of those hard times of writing, 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 reading, 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 presenting, presenting, Mm -hmm. presenting. And I'm um, gaining the confidence that I, I, I have earned my space in this in this level of scholarship. Yeah, having colleagues that understand. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you already um, really described really well something that we haven't said specifically, and that's mentorship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was speaking with someone today and we're talking about mentorship and there's so much to being a mentor and having a mentor. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things is that it creates a safe space, yes. a safe space with someone you trust and you Mm -hmm. can just ask anything. No question is uh, a silly question Mm -hmm. and they care about you. They care about your potential. They know your potential. Yes. And so they help, they really help and provide that perspective that Mm -hmm. sometimes is so valuable to have Mm -hmm. someone else looking through your lens, but kind of seeing you um, as you're navigating the world. And you've already Mm -hmm. talked about your mom, Mm -hmm. the track coach, your PhD colleague. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure you had many uh, mentors and you probably mentor and continue to mentor many that are um, going through their DNP journey. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite thing to do. I love mentoring. It's awesome. It is. And so it's neat to hear that you've had mentors along the way. And I know today uh, we were talking to you and we've got so much we want to talk about. Um, <laughs> but one of the things in as we uh, you know, t- tomorrow launches Black History Month, and we're really, really uh, wanting to engage and celebrate and understand mm-hmm. and bring all the richness of that history, uh, mm-hmm. not just to this month, but every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as we go into this, is there any, you mentioned mentors that were really close to you that you knew. Are there any, is there anybody historically that has had an impact in your life, living or not, um, that has really helped to guide your path? Because I would say, um, as probably many of the people that are listening today, is that you're a really uh, a major influencer today and you're a leader <laughs> oh my and there are people watching just like me and um, saying, you know, I, I want, I want that energy. I want that. I want that perspective. I want um, to be able to do what she's doing. And can mm-hmm. I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about your mentors that may not have been right there, but that you look to. So I guess for me, my my mindset about mentors and mentorship changed after my nursing mentor um, passed away because I always felt like you had to have one mentor. Mm-hmm. And what I learned from her death was um, that it's truly valuable to have more than one mentor because as you evolve as a human being and as you grow and learn there's value to having a diverse crew of mentors that speaks to the person that you are at that stage that you're evolving in, whether Mm -hmm. it's personally or professionally. So I take a piece from all my mentors currently (laughs) for a while. I didn't have a mentor. I would say I finally got a, I call my entourage of mentors in the past two years. Like I Mm -hmm. went mentorless because when my nursing mentor passed away, like gosh, over a decade ago now, um, I just didn't pick up one 
formally that kind of kept up with me throughout my life until about two years ago. So now I have an entourage that pours into me in different aspects. You know, I have a mentor that I might speak to every day just to talk about personal, professional stuff. And then I have my professional mentors that pour into me. So it's, I, I really feel like it's, it's, it's more beneficial to the mentee when they, when they seek out more than one um, mm-hmm. and sort of pour into them at, at different, different spaces and places in their life. So it's hard right. for me to, to pinpoint one person mm-hmm. um, because there's so much value in having multiple mentors. A sphere of, of mentors. That's and, a good word. A sphere mm-hmm. of mentors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mentorship. Uh, it sounds like you've, you've had space in your life or times in your life where you didn't have so much of a mentor to keep up with. And then, and then those uh, times where you did, and it's definitely um, empty when you don't have that person yes. that you can reach out to. Mm-hmm. So Danielle, you have really um, been a leader within our own organization. Many of our listeners are AANP members. This is mm-hmm. AANP, NP <laughs> Pulse, um, our podcast uh, that we have. And so many of them are members of AANP, mm-hmm. but they may not know that um, you've spoken to so many of us, you've mentored, um, been so active and engaged, but they may not know that we have a diversity, equity, inclusion committee, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. you're a very important member of that committee. Um, can you tell us just a little bit more about that committee? Because mm-hmm. I, it's it's evolved and it it carries quite a load. I mean, we've got mm-hmm. a lot to do. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about that committee and kind of your perspective of where it is and where it's going, where we're yeah. going. Yeah, the DEI committee is awesome. Uh, we have a, uh, I, I feel like a truly diverse group of individuals that are passionate committed and dedicated to ensure that AAMP is truly putting DEI at the center of everything that it does. And so I think that's huge. And I think for me as a member, it's been the highlight of my membership to be part mm-hmm. of such a dynamic, passionate, important group. And the support that we get from AAMP leadership, I think it's phenomenal. I, I love it when you're you're joining in at the meetings and you know sharing your perspective and doing a lot of listening and learning and asking questions, which is amazing. And um, I think it's phenomenal um, that you demonstrate that level of curiosity and engagement as a leader, and especially being our president. I think that's absolutely amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. And um, so for us as a committee, it's really important that we truly focus on creating inclusivity um, of, of all voices and representation of, of everyone, because that's what's um, important and um, ensuring that we infuse that in our organization and that it, you know, hopefully trickles into our membership so that they can learn and um, integrate a lot of the stuff that we're um, moving forward to start launching in the future so that there's more of a DI presence within AAMP. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that this past fall, we were able to have a a track dedicated to DEI. So that was amazing. We had a ton of Mm -hmm. um, phenomenal speakers with uh, on-time topics that met the needs and understanding of our clinicians. And so that's only that, that presence and that level of education is only going to increase, which I'm excited that we're making space for that and being more intentional and deliberate in Mm -hmm. incorporating DEI literally in everything from how we 
grade uh, our programming to how we diversify the speakers. And um, like I said, having a program track dedicated to DEI um, uh, issues and education is, is, is huge. It's huge. And, and, and I think we've, there have been some great uh, programs and initiatives mm-hmm. that have rolled out and you've helped to plan many of those, but we have a really long way to go yes. um, as, as a profession, mm-hmm. uh, being a nurse practitioner. I mean, at the, it's at our very core to um, be able to provide care to everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. But when we look at our workforce, we don't have a lot of diversity. Yeah. And um, and so it, what, where do you see where we are now and where we're going and where we could go? Mm-hmm. Um, so as an organization, I would love for us to look toward um, establishing more partnerships in the community, especially with um, groups that are focused on communities of color mm-hmm. to um, start being uh, more present and exposing um, those communities earlier to, to advance practice mm-hmm. and even looking toward uh, providing more opportunities for mentorship or fellowships to um, make the um, advanced practice more attractive and more accessible and more um, uh, easily attainable, if you will. Um, And um, and then also providing opportunity for uh, members of uh, diverse communities within our organization, opportunities to to lead or be part Mm -hmm. of committees or present. And uh, because I know for me, um, um, really taking hold of the opportunities to volunteer on the DI committee and even present, you know, submit abstracts to present. And I needed some mentorship on and guidance on how to even do that process, you know, and I've been a professional for a couple of years, but sometimes it's intimidating to submit an abstract. It's like, oh, I didn't know that I could, this is a talk that I did at a lunch and learn for my department. So I could potentially submit that to be presented to a national conference. Mm -hmm. So um, having folks tap you to say, hey, you know, you really should consider that. And I think that elevating the DI committee and our DI voice as an organization for me made it more appealing for me to want to be engaged and represented and have my voice heard within the organization because I saw the shift of us being more focused and intentional in elevating the DI um, focus and agenda within the organization. Yeah. I can't imagine um, a new nurse practitioner of color coming to a conference or uh, and 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 feeling excluded you know i i mean that would be the worst thing ever mm-hmm. and so i want um all of our nps out there to know that this is a a community that's growing mm-hmm. and inclusivity is is very important mm-hmm. and it is so important that we diversify our workforce mm-hmm. these are the we have to be who we are caring for mm-hmm. as patients and um and I, I think that your story early on struck me because I don't know that we are going back enough into the pipeline to really mm-hmm. help everyone see this is a career for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine if you hadn't chosen to be an, a nurse, an NP. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you could have 
not done that just based yeah. on your experiences in high school. And so how mm-hmm. do we reach, mm-hmm. reach into high school or even earlier into mm-hmm. grammar school so that, so that all everyone knows that this mm-hmm. is a profession that you could do if you're interested yes. in it. If you went along, which by the way, my mom um, also uh, worked with nursing homes and I would go along with her and I would sit (laughs) on the chair. So when you're telling that story, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. (laughs) but yeah, but your mom set that example Mm -hmm. that you could do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so thank goodness you did that. And so how do we expose, um, youth and you know mm-hmm. people going into high school th- this if you're in- interested in this you can do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important mm-hmm. so um as uh you know i keep calling you influencer the other day you're like oh, okay okay <laughs> but you are you you okay. have such a, a wonderful influence on so many of us mm-hmm. what is, how how would you describe your leadership style because you're really growing as a strong, very powerful, influential leader in Mm -hmm. not only the advanced practice space, but in healthcare. So Mm -hmm. what's your style as a leader, as you've gotten to know yourself a little bit better? And it's definitely evolved. When I asked my mentors, what are they, what type of leadership style, you know, textbook leadership style, Mm -hmm. they think that I am, they say transformational. And I like to add collaborator on there because I really, I really value taking others with me and inspiring them to say, you have the potential to do this. And I want to train you up so that you take my job one day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's important for me to be visionary and imaginative and collaborative, collaborative and uh, inspiring others. That's just kind of, and when you, if you have, if, People ask my staff, I feel like that's what they would say to me, that I'm always wanting to um, play on people's strengths, but also looking for opportunities for them to improve on uh, areas that aren't so strong. And so Mm -hmm. I just, for me, if if I hadn't gotten tapped or people saw the value or potential that I could potentially um, share, I wouldn't be where I am. And so I carry that with me that if I see that I can be of service to someone. I do whatever I can to make myself available or connect them with someone that can be available or might be a better match to help them get to the next level. So if I had to say textbook transformational collaborator, I just had collaborator on that end. (laughs) Well, you take collaborator to like a completely different (laughs) definition of collaborator. I mean, I mean, the way you describe and the way you are a collaborator, it's really you create the space for mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. the space to connect, um, the space that safe space, just like mm-hmm. we were talking about mentorship, that yeah. safe space to share perspective, to ask mm-hmm. questions, to understand where you have opportunities to grow mm-hmm. and where you may not have given. Um, maybe you have more to give in, yes. in a specific area. And so mm-hmm. I wish there was a different word for collaborator because you, <laughs> right. you take it to a whole new level. But I I love the transformational collaborator. You mm-hmm. truly, truly are that. Thank well, you. Danielle, is there anything else you'd like to 
you'd like to share with our audience today before we wrap up? Because I, I wish we could talk all day. So yes, um, seriously. <laughs> but the podcast comes to an end. But I'd love if you have anything else you'd like to share with our audience. Please, please share it. Well, I always like to share some of the wisdoms that I've learned along uh, the way. And um, because my circumstances try to define my life, life path, I always like to leave people with the final words that I always kind of have. To, it's, it's kind of like on repeat, lives rent free in my head, is that don't let your circumstances define you, mm-hmm. but you redefine your circumstances for yourself. And so, because like I said, mentioned in my story earlier, you know, if I would have listened to that guidance counselor, I wouldn't be here where I am today. So, wow. So that's good words, good guidance. Uh, Amazing mentor you are. Well, thank you. (laughs) We, it's been such a nice uh, opportunity to speak with you, Dr. Danielle McCamey, transformational collaborator. Thank you. Thank you, April. Thank you, Danielle. Your commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion is clear, and you've made a huge difference in moving the mission of our organization and DEI and healthcare forward. To find out more about the work of AANP's DEI committee, please visit aanp.org. If you are interested in networking, educating, and sharing your commitment to DEI, please consider joining AANP's Health Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion community today. Links to all of these opportunities are listed in the podcast episode description. Please subscribe to this podcast, share with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm.